This is NAGP Resurrection, the show where we talk about this week's gaming news, then we discuss a topic. This week we're talking about our favorite opening and closing gaming moments. Then we do some game recommendations, some final thoughts, and that's about it. My name's Joseph Burchette, and with me I have Lionel. I'd like to warn the audience that the hosts of this show are suffering from a brain fart epidemic. And we have Mike. His name is Jumper Cables. It's a a a. My name is whatever Joe wants it to be. It's his show. It's Daddy, then. <laughs> That's for the after show. <laughs> oh my! Uh, all right. First story is EA pulls its booth out of E3 and focuses instead on its own fan event. We are starting to see quite a lot of this. It seems like a lot of big gaming companies and publishers are starting to no longer, I guess, consider E3 a, a big thing for them anymore. I wouldn't say that, or else they wouldn't be doing it at the exact same time as E3. Right. I mean, they're still doing it. Across but... the street. <laughs> it's true. They are doing it. It is still like right across the Come over the street. here to better three. I mean, so I think the only, the only thing they're not doing is they're just not having a booth, but they're literally doing everything they would have done if they were actually at E3, just across the street. You're right. So Yeah, I think Nintendo did this. Or, or no, they pulled out and started just sending videos to the internet, didn't yeah. they? With their Nintendo Directs, yeah, that's how they do it now. So, somebody else did that a while ago, maybe it was Activision, I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, they're really just doing it. I feel like it's a response to like the like what PlayStation's been trying to do, which is do stuff more for gamers, and they're, they're pushing this as a big thing that's, oh, it's for gamers, we're going to let gamers in and play... And then, I, it's fine. It doesn't really bother me, but I feel like it, they're they're kind of pandering to the wrong audience. And it's E three has always been for announcements and news, and and they're they're trying to do it. They're trying to make it more so you know people can come in and play their games, and it, it feels less like announcements and more like. I don't know. Pandering is not the right word, but pandering directly towards the gamers rather than, um, you know, Mm. the the investors or, you know, or the industries, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what Gamescom is all about. I mean, that's why it came to be is because... You know, E3 was it's an expo. It's supposed to be a place where, sh- where all the different companies showcase what they're going to be doing, so other people can like game, like uh, GameStop and other companies and everything's like that can get excited for what they're coming out with to kind of help sell things. That's kind of the point of E3. It was never supposed to be a gathering of gamers so they can try all these new games like at PAX or something like that. It's that's not the point of it. So yeah, it's it is kind of weird that they're doing that during <laughs> I mean, E3. Maybe it's better that way then. Maybe it's uh Well that's why we have packs. Have different that's... kinds of well, I mean not not even just packs, like just different kinds of events for different kinds of uh people within the industry. Just like how there's a like GDC for the actual developers and stuff like that. It we we're not E three doesn't have to be all things to all people anymore. But it never was trying to be that though. It wasn't trying to be for everyone. Yeah. It was it was specifically catered just to the uh, you know people who were gonna. Go ahead. I don't think it. I don't think it was because I want to say that time they did it in L.A. 
and kind of retooled everything was like really focused in on vendors and everybody hated that one. Well, that's the point of the show though. <laughs> that's, that's the well, no, that, well, that's, that's, that's the thing. And then, but it, it, it sounds like if that's the case, if that's who it's supposed to be for, they would have stuck with that rather than go back mm. to what they were doing before, which is well, why I think they were trying to be more than that. And uh, maybe if there's more alternatives, they won't have to. I'm not sure what we're because I remember I remember I remember a few different distinct changes. So there was E3 kind of as it is, or how it was when when we were like super young, where it was mostly industry people, and and but it was kind of more necessary for it to be industry people back then because. Like pre-internet, you wanted to have all your journalists there so they could go out and write in their magazines, and and give impressions and and write news articles about all this stuff. And then, they remember, I remember they started opening it up to the public a little bit more. They did that for a few years, and then I think they closed it off again um, more recently. But I remember the big thing somewhere like 2005-ish, somewhere around there. Um, was when they really just downscaled everything, and that was I remember Kojima-san getting up and and asking like, you know, where is my A3? Like, I don't I don't like this. It's like too small. And then it kind of, and then it kind of bounced back, and it's kind of what it was before, where it hasn't been open to the public, but you have people doing kind of taking. I feel like that's what I feel like this is that EA is doing right now is they're taking advantage of it's weird to say this and it's not going to make sense but it feels like they're taking advantage of E3 happening for PR purposes <laughs> which E3 or E3 is about PR in a sense but i feel like they're using it to say like oh like we're not just going to talk to the industry we want to talk to the gamers you know yeah um, mm, I, their own I, PR yeah Versus so, the industry's PR. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of I have mixed feelings about it because I, I feel like, on the one hand, I'm like, do you really need to do this? Can't you just do it at PAX or, or, you know? And really, you. But on the other hand, I do feel like, with the way, um, you know, reporting and on the game in- industry has changed so much where every, the developers can just get on Twitter and say what they're doing or throw out a video or do whatever they want and everything is so open with the internet and it's like do, do we really need to have E3 be just for the journalists? I mean it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard for me to fault them for it. It's really about the event now when you consider the sheer number of avenues for putting information out now. Yeah, like it's not like we're waiting for some video or some big thing to get this information. We don't have to wait for the uh, the magazine to come out anymore or some TV show about gaming to do their special episode on E3 or anything like that. It's like there's a glut of people looking to stream E3 to you, let alone stream all kinds of other stuff to them. So I think yeah. the, the the real necessity of the event is the event. It's that yeah. thing to look forward to, that designated stage for everyone to show off at, you know, everyone to come together and be like, okay, here's this, here's that. 
you know, this is the amazing thing Konami's doing. This is the awesome thing Capcom's doing. Oh, Nintendo's slacking yeah. a little bit. Everyone gets yeah. to sit down and play arch- armchair CEO on yeah. top of everything else. I, I guess that the, what I'm, what I was trying to articulate is that it bothers me because it doesn't matter if they, if they do this, but it mm-hmm. just feels like they're doing it so that they can let gamers in, so that they can say, "Oh, hey." We're cool. Uh, Let gamers come in. Like see how much better we are than those guys. Yeah, or to better E three right across the street. Well, not even like come to better E three. It's like come experience it because you can't get into E three unless you're part of the industry. Mm. But like if you're realist ass people, we'll let you in the door for nothing. Yeah, fucking Johnny Johnny GameStop. You can you can come and play the new Battlefield, like. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of what. Is okay. Like, mm. Yeah. No, it's you're right. I mean, that's definitely gonna help them and get them a lot of attention and a lot of PRs and a lot of traffic. So I mean, yeah, it's it's good for them. So I think that's all they really care about right now. Mm-hmm. That, which is, it is what well, it is. We'll see how it goes. I'm interested yeah. to see how it uh, plays out. Uh, the next story here is GameStop dives into publishing. Uh, Insomniac's newest game, which is, well, their upcoming game, which is called Song of the Deep. I chose this article because not necessarily because of, you know, the the game itself. I mean, it looks fine. It looks great. It, it's just Insomniac's another one of their games. But I thought that was just really interesting that GameStop is now going into publishing. It's an interesting way to tackle the fact that digital will eventually make them unnecessary. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's this. Uh, this is saying that they're basically kind of preparing for that. They're trying to do all these different experiments and trying to try all like publishing. I mean, they they purchased a long time ago. They purchased the the gaming portal, web gaming portal, Congregate. So because they wanted to start jumping into the whole you know web gaming scene, and so they're really spreading all over the place, which I think is smart because in the future, maybe in the next probably decade or whatever, it we may not be seeing those stores everywhere anymore because there's so many other different ways you can get the games a lot easier. So they're, they're at least going to get fewer and further between. Right. So that's why I thought this article was interesting. Uh, it's, it's nice to know that they're trying to adapt to how things are changing. He's going to pop. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's 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 funny because I I don't know I have no idea what this game is because um, the, the whole article was about GameStop, <laughs> right? Um, but I mean, Ted mm. Price and Insomniac—that's kind of those are big names. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, they're trying to they're preparing for the end. Yeah. But who knows where that's. To me, that's more interesting to talk about is when will when will it come to an end? Because I don't I don't think we'll see physical copies of games stop being sold anytime soon. No, because uh, I think a lot of infrastructure has to change. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, reading a bit more into the article, what the the actual publishing deal is, is that they are going to be have exclusive publishing rights 
for the physical form of the game. So it's only going to be sold in their stores. And uh, they didn't detail if they're actually also being responsible for publishing it in the digital form, but uh, that, that's what that's what they were saying. So, yeah. I, so yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it would be foolish not to have that on Steam. Right, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. They said it's going to be on the PlayStation Network and a bunch of other platforms for digitally. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, but what do you guys think? I mean, obviously we are going strictly more so just all digital, but do you think it's going to be probably in the next five years that we're longer, not, longer, probably a decade, maybe two decades, you think? 25 years yeah. will, will, will be at the stage where final is where if you want to throw an extra 20 onto your digital purchase, they'll mail you a, mm. a, a fucking copy yeah, I but, think, uh, yeah. Sort of like the higher tier rewards on Kickstarters. Yeah, you get the. I mean, that's Kickstarter does exactly that. Yeah, like you don't get the physical copy unless you go higher. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be like a special feature. Um, yeah. Hopefully, by then, Joe will be a podcasting mogul. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I, I can't remember the last time I actually went into a GameStop. Uh, I mean, it's not like I've had a bad experience anytime I go into any of those stores. I mean, it's always fun to talk to them. The the place is always full of, you know, actual real gamers, people who love games a lot, and they always have something to say, and the conversations are interesting. But I just don't feel like the community aspect is enough for me to want to go in there. Uh, I've got a problem with GameStops now, and to quote a wise man, it's the fact that... uh, I keep getting older, but those people behind the counter stay the same age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's man. interesting. Uh, well, I mean, how you got, have you guys, like either of you ever had like really bad experiences inside of a GameStop or what's the, how do you feel about the actual stores and the people who work in there? Hey, Jim McKeelis, I, have you, have we gone to the GameStop on market in the city before? Uh, not to the one on, market i remember spending some time in that one in berkeley and then you like got into an argument with that chick in the one in el cerrito wait in el cerrito about About what uh, about um something about the releases of mgs uh, (laughs) i think that big collection i sort of remember that what the hell is it about i don't remember exactly I think she was saying the collection had this and this, and you were like, uh, "No, it doesn't." I can't remember. I I think there was something about the legacy collection versus the HD collection. I, yeah, I can't remember what the fuck good. that was about, though. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell was that about? <laughs> it was something. It was something about MGS two. I feel like possibly. Maybe maybe whether it was just like a basic port of two or if it was the sub substance. Substance, yeah. I keep I couldn't remember if it was substance or subsistence. Hmm. Hmm. I can't remember. But you're asking if we had a bad experience? Yeah, like usually games? Yeah, like usually when you go into a GameStop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like going into GameStop. Um I don't usually buy anything. Hmm. I did buy an amiibo for my uncle for Christmas, uh, which he was very ambivalent about. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
sometimes like you, they used to have sometimes they have like really cheap like older shit which I like um, and, and that's nice because you can, you can find stuff cheaper at GameStop than you can on PSN for sure yeah mm-hmm. but also I like going to the one on Market because there's this <laughs> there's this dude he's this uh, he's this cool like soggy black dude named Denzel at the GameStop on Market, and he's just like, you can tell he's just done with the whole thing. He's super friendly, but like, you could just tell he's done. Like, he <laughs> he just hates dealing with that shit. Like, I, I take joy in knowing that when I go in there, like, I I probably make Denzel's day a little bit better because I just bullshit with him about how bad his job is. <laughs> but so yeah, I I kind of I enjoy going in there every once in a while, but. I mean, yeah. Uh, minor side track. I remember Joe, I'm not sure. I want to say, Joe, you were with me when it happened. Uh, we knew a guy who worked at the GameStop, so we were in this one a lot. And at one point, we heard this guy come in to like buy an N64. And he said, yeah, I'm buying it for my kids so they don't touch my GameCube. (laughs) The last GameCube I had died because they tried to play a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, my God. Very inquisitive children he had. How old were they? Wow. I don't I don't know. <laughs> he didn't say. <laughs> I like that they killed the GameCube. <laughs> it takes a lot to kill that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently peanut butter and jelly will do it. That uh, that dynamite combination, uh P B and J. So yeah, GameStop. Good luck. Wow, what a difference. It's it's worth it to hear like weird shit like that every once in a while when you're in there. Yeah. yeah. Even if GameStop goes away, you look at shit like Blockbuster that went away. Like every once in a while, there'll be mom and pop shit, but I feel like it'll it'll be more like because I hear about this every once in a while, but I, I don't necessarily see it. Where people will tell me that there's like a really cool like locally owned game store that sells like old shit and like hard to find shit. Um, I feel like if oh, GameStop yeah. goes away, like you'll see more of those start to pop up, sort of like comic book stores. Is one in my area that I need to check out called Another Castle? Mm. Yeah, uh, around where I am, there's a whole bunch of them. They're called uh, Dimples. Dimples. Yeah, Dimples. Dimples. And what? they basically sell lots of like vinyl records and records and old video game consoles and old comic books and video games. Oh, it's just like a like a used stuff store yeah yeah so that sounds cool yeah it's a it's tight. it's a great store there's a whole bunch of them all over the place uh, yeah. around here so yeah we went to that one store out by in Folsom that was cool yeah that place got that place is no longer there I would um, imagine yeah. um what was the name of that place that place that Hollywood video used to have alongside it that sold games game crazy yeah. game crazy game crazies were awesome that they were because they were like the ultimate place for rare hunting like 
their base selection was dwarfed by GameStop, but like you could go in there and find something. That was like where I found a copy of Jet Grind Radio for like five bucks, and like <laughs> Joe at one point walks into one and finds a copy of Survival Kids Two for the Game Boy. <laughs> Mm. I remember I found like Jet Grind Radio at way after the Dreamcast died, probably a few years at a Best Buy, and I was ready to pay like whatever it was. It was like five bucks, and the guy was like, "Well, this is only ninety nine cents." <laughs> like, all right, cool. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, we were uh, falling down, uh, going down the uh, memory lane on that one. I think mm. that PB and J story. <laughs> triggered it <laughs> made it made it worth it uh all right so next one's mighty number no. nine faces third delay this is just oh man uh lionel i know you have some feelings about this one you got some some words for this particular article what 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 is going on here it's like they didn't even have mighty number no. nine out and they're like hey check it out guys you're addressed huh huh Spiritual successor to Mega Man Legends? Huh? Huh? Like, get the first game out! <laughs> Shit! And he's not only doing that, but like trying to pump out a, a, an anime alongside it. I don't know what's going on with that company right now. They had like so much faith from the community and like kind of shot themselves in the foot twice mm. trying to release that before Mighty Number no. 9 even came out. Uh, reading this, they're saying the reasons for the delay is just bugs inside the network modes and specifically problems with matchmaking, which I find uh, the fact that they're, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like with this type of game, why do they need matchmaking? It feels like they're tacking this on. for the, it's, it's a Mega Man game, basically. Why, why do you need multiplayer on it? I, I don't know. It seems like more of a something like a checkbox you put on a... Because it sounds cool, like co-op Mega Man sounds tight. I guess, but why not release the game with and like and later on let people and kind of just patch the the multiplayer stuff in later on yeah. and just ship the game. I mean, people have been waiting, yeah, for this thing for God knows how long. Yeah, I mean, it would be yeah. it would be really fun to do multiplayer. I mean, especially in a Mega Man game, but it just feels like. I mean, I guess they've promised. You know, they've promised uh, all this shit will be in a game, and people have paid for it. And I know, I guess it's. Oh man. I don't know. It's yeah. a tough call saying, you know, do we get this out without this feature and have people say you released it without this feature and then you patched in or do you want to take the hit and say let's delay it? Um right. Yeah. I don't know. Um and I and I guess it also yeah, cuz they also kind of have to with the whole, because it was a Kickstarter and it was probably one of the the reward tiers or whatever. Mm. Um yeah, so they probably kind of are trying to honor that, maybe. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah, and I mean, really, they're they're going from February to what spring, April, Q1. Yeah. They're saying, so it's it's only going to be like a couple months wait for hopefully a finished and complete game. So I, I never really fall. Well, it's not a couple months wait. It's all the time they've waited thus far and this new well yeah it's you're right it, it is the third delay but at the same time i'm i can't it's hard for me to get mad at publishers for delaying games to finish them when so many uh, companies just release their shit unfinished these days yeah true 
Right. It 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 just it's uh, a little more infuriating considering they tried to kickstart another game. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Just the. Yeah. Um, was this the second? What was the first one? Uh, the first game that they were trying to. Yeah, that they uh, kickstarted. Oh, well, they, I, th- I want to say. Um, I want to say it was Mighty Number. Did they? It was the anime. They were kickstarting the anime, weren't they? Well, they were doing both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to. I think. Uh, yeah, um, see, now I'm self-conscious and I'm worried. Red Rust is not what this is called, but they were trying to kickstart a game and then an anime at the same time. Mm. Right. Yeah. So maybe he just kind of like you know Fune. Maybe he just didn't know how much work it was going to really yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the other thing that it's it's like it's. It's one thing for this to keep getting delayed, but really what they should have done was taken a closer look at, at some things beforehand and um, and said, this is how much time we're going to need and let's maybe budget or release a little after just in case we have to squash bugs or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't... People didn't want this game. I mean, you know, a, a spiritual successor to Mega Man Legends, it'd be awesome. But I think like now was maybe the time for a trailer, not hey, give us some money. Rather, give us some more money because you gave us money last time. And um, also, I think too that because remember he he did this Kickstarter like a little bit after he had left Capcom. So I mean, he had always worked with a bigger company, Capcom. They did pretty much, I would imagine, did a lot of the the management and grunt work for him. And of course he was just mm-hmm. being very creative and doing all the art and, you know, designing the games. But this was his first time, I think of actually making his own studio and doing his own thing. So, I mean, I guess we could just cut on some slack for that as well. Right. Cause I mean, this is his True. first time doing this. So yeah, he's doing all the stuff people don't like to think about doing when they imagine making a game, which is quite a lot. It's managing people and, trying to flush out the design it's a it's a lot to think about and yeah the not fun part yeah and mm-hmm. yeah not being able to hit the est like the proper yeah. the estimates it's it's a difficult so yeah. but anyway it's, it's coming out soon so yeah. it's weird looking at the google doc it shows me where your cursor is <laughs> what the it? Google Doc, it has a little highlight. It says Joseph, the pink highlight, it says Joseph Burchette. <laughs> you know where I am. It's in between the. I'm, I'm always. It, in. It's on the L. Oh, now it's after the WWW. <laughs> All right, so he knows the next story then. What is it? Street. Would you like to introduce it? <laughs> uh, the next story is Street Fighter V Cinematic Story Mode arrives in June. Ooh. I guess there's a trailer, but I couldn't watch it, so I don't know what that's about. Uh, the trailer's uh, big and flashy, but doesn't show us a whole lot outside of maybe some like wanton destruction on behalf of Shadowloo. Did it look cool? It looked kind of cool. Hmm. Hmm. So, with the story mode, uh, I, Lionel, I know you were reading, and, and it was saying that once you complete the story mode, you can get... I guess what they're calling their current their in-game currency to get DLC is that yeah I think they specifically mentioned uh, that by the time you finish the single player content 
of that uh, story mode, you'll have enough uh, fight money to purchase a, a DLC character. Now, I don't know if they mean a specific DLC character or uh, just having that money, you'll be able to purchase a DLC character of your choice. Mm. But either way, it's a nice little extra incentive for people to go through the single-player content, the people who are specifically about the competitive play, who are in there for the competitive play and only for the competitive play. Mm. Whereas someone like me wouldn't need the extra uh, prompting. So for the story mode, do you... Th- I mean, there's a lot of new characters in this one. I, I don't know if you... Have you seen... Have either of yeah. you guys seen them? Yeah, I've got to check them out. Um, some are interesting. There's also a lot of returning characters from various games. Um, I'm interested to see some of the characters. Like One of the characters is actually related to a character from Street Fighter 3. Um, and people are wondering if that character is going to make an appearance since his sister is already in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think her na- name is Laura. Uh, she's uh, supposed to be Sean's older sister. Sean hmm. is the little uh, Brazilian kid from Street Fighter 3. Yeah. Ken's disciple. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder how they're how far they're going to go with the stories because you know with the story mode, it's I'm assuming it's going to be one for each character. So I've heard that that well, no, it's actually not. I've heard that they're going to try and do it the same way Mortal Kombat's been doing it, which is an ongoing story with a focus on specific characters as it goes on. Like it'll ah. be like chapter one, this character. And you'll play a certain number of fights as that character. Then chapter mm-hmm. two, this character. And in that way, um, Dio, I th- believe DOA 5 did it this way too. And in that way, it's much easier to tell a consistent story across the board and still give every character some spotlight. Hmm. Yeah, DOA 5, not exactly. You could go through a timeline and see where everything interacted, but you could mm-hmm. still play through each character had their own arc. Okay. Um, um, but and I and I like that, but I I don't know. I kind of don't like the idea of being forced to play as other characters that I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think they're doing that just so you can maybe have an opportunity to just kind of explore the new characters or just try them out? Maybe that's why I they're doing it. I think it's both. Oh. I think it's both, but I think more so it's about the. Um, that consistent story across the board versus here's what this guy did and in his story he's the coolest big dick G in the world and everyone else sucks yeah (laughs) that sounds about right (laughs) Uh, well I mean that's coming out in June so I mean that's that's some nice summer fun action stuff yeah if I can get something that'll run it I'll sure as hell enjoy it wait is it coming out on PC? I don't. Well, then I gotta get a PC that can run it. Oh. Street Fighter Five. I'm sh- yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, four came yeah. out of PC. So. I think PS4 first, and then PC a little later. That's usually how these things go. But don't quote me on that. Probably. Yeah. It says four months after game hits PC and PS4. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. Nice. <clears throat> so yeah, Lionel, just get a nice beefy PC, and you'll be good to go. Oh yeah, yeah, beefy with cheddar Delicious. and onions, sour cream. Oh god, yes. Oh, I'm getting hungry. All right, uh, next one. 
Evo 26 lineup announced. Street Fighter, Pokken, RN Smash Brothers. There's a whole bunch of really awesome games in here. And uh, some some people crying about a lack of SF4. And but they have five. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, older older tournaments actually had. Um, I think I told you guys off the air. Older tournaments actually had a division dedicated to <laughs> Super Street Fighter Two. Mm. Uh, it's it's funny they don't have four, but for Smash they they're still doing melee and they're doing a. Wii U, mm-hmm. Wii U version, so which makes sense because the melee version is probably the best version out of all the yes. games. But it's the best I've played. Yeah, so it. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that they have both of them there, even though the Wii U version was all right I and mean, it was way better than Brawl. But yeah, it's weird looking at this list. I don't know. It's probably just a personal thing, but I I feel like it's it definitely looks like them trying to stay relevant. Rather than picking games that are considered the best in the series, you know, like I don't know. Let's but let's I, address the elephant in the room, Mike. You're disappointed about a, tech, a lack of Tekken Tag too. Uh, not really, because I, because I did, I don't know. I've thought about that. Like, if I were to enter one of these, I would rather it be a single. Uh, like a non-tag check-in. Like, I'm fine with that, but I'm thinking more along like, I don't care about Street Fighter past Street Fighter 3. Uh, it feels like Street Fighter 2, you know, that's a classic, should be in there. Like, I know, 3, I, and I've always said that uh, I liked Marvel vs. Capcom 2 more than 3. And I don't know, stuff like that. And also, and it's, you know, uh, oh, maybe it, they've, no DOA or or Soul Calibur in here, which is I feel like it's mm. kind of strange. Yeah, five kind of blue anyway. That's right, I said it. All you Soul Calibur five fans, bring it on! Looking at this list, it really makes me feel like they were offered a lot of money to just get these games to be playable at Evo or something. I mean, because Street Fighter Five, I mean. Tekken 7, it's like all these really new games. It's all games. the new hotness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's nothing wrong with that. It just gets people to play and excited for these new games, but like Mike was saying, there's all these really good, competitive classic games out there that eh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that'll be something we can see in a future tournament. It may be like an old school division. Right, yeah. I mean, there's, like, I, there's still melee on there, so clearly... Oh yeah, well there's one there's still the precedent for that there. Yeah. Definitely. Uh Guilty Gear. Oh wow. Um, did not know before we get off the subject yep. completely, can I just uh express my shock, awe and surprise at how well it actually works that the uh newest uh character on the roster for Tekken seven is Akuma. Hmm. As in, you know, Street Fighters Akuma. Hmm. I heard about that. I didn't see footage yet. Is there? Yeah, yeah. There's a trailer for it, and okay. it has uh, gameplay footage. Yeah, because I saw that. Most recent thing I saw was that they announced Nina. But uh, yeah, I'll have to look at that. Tekken, Tekken, Tekken. All right, this next one this is a special one. Pikachu is Sherlock in the new <laughs> Nintendo 3DS game. Mm. To be fair, it's not called 
It's called Good Detective Pikachu. Is that what it's called? Yeah, like rough translation. That's what they're saying. It's called uh, Great Detective Pikachu. Yeah, Great Detective. <laughs> it's even better. Like that. But it's definitely they're aping like the Great Mouse Detective. The, the BBC Sherlock like with the music in this trailer. Oh yeah. It's an amazing trailer. It, it really is. I've never seen or imagined Pikachu would be in this in this situation at all. I mean, I play. I, have either of you guys ever played Hey You Pikachu on the N64? No. No. Okay. Uh, how about Pokemon Snap? Did you play that? Yeah, I played a lot of that. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. So it's you've seen you've seen with Pokemon, they've explored many different areas, but this, this. It looks cool. It looks great. I want to play it. It just seems so ridiculous because Pikachu, his voice, it's just like this deep, manly Japanese. I really like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really, if they bring it to America, I'm really curious who they'll get to do his voice. It'd be really cool. But, um, yeah, at one point I, I thought he was like looking at a dead body, but I watched it again. He was, I think he was just unconscious body. I want, to, I want to see him with a pipe. Like, I want to know how far they go with this. Like, just Pikachu smoking a pipe. Yeah. Uh, you think uh, that maybe it'll go really far, like in the comics, and uh, Pikachu will be shooting up. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Com- I said comics, fucking novels. Yeah. I'm dumb. I am. I am curious what kind of puzzles they're going to have him do uh like what kind of mysteries you're going to be solving are you going to use in the the touch screen or so i mean they could i mean since they're really uh, going yeah. after the sherlock holmes type thing they could go get pretty interesting with it kind of kind of wondering now if it'll basically be professor layton starring pikachu that would be kinda, cool i'd like that kind of what i was thinking i never play, played pro lay but um yeah, it's got romance too. He's like kissing a good girl in it too. Uh, yeah. Let's hope this doesn't go Sonic. too weird and end up the yeah, Sonic 2006. Yeah, kissing the princess. <laughs> so uh, is that this, shit got weird? This is going to be kind of an AR game. Uh, 2016 marks the iconic French Pokemon Company celebrated in multiple ways. Uh, it doesn't really say what, what the hell. It, I think it's just going to be a 3DS game, mm. standard 3DS game. Well, yeah, but uh, but yeah, if it is like Professor Layton and those kind of puzzles, that's going to be exciting because those were very, those are very fun games. I enjoyed those. Yeah. Who would be Pikachu's Moriarty? <laughs> a Raichu. <laughs> Raichu. Maybe it's Meowth. Yeah. I was thinking Caterpie. Another talking Pokemon. It's got to be another talking Pokemon. It could be like a Psyduck or something. Oh, What's God. like a smart Pokemon? Uh, Golduck. Golduck is, evol- is Psyduck's evolved form. That thing is psychic and it's quite well, it's, smart. It's got to be smart, but it's also got to be kind of evil looking. Oh, Golduck can look very evil. Well, in that, that's the case, Golduck Mewtwo looks then. kind of like a common Rider. <laughs> Mewtwo then. I guess I'm thinking too much because it is, well, it's called Great Detective Pikachu, so, but they are... They do have the music sounding like Sherlock, so I wonder if they're actually a Rattata. I wonder if they're taking that much inspiration from Sherlock Holmes. Like, it'd be cool to see like those classic Holmes stories told oh. via Pokemon. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they're taking it that far. It might just be a detective game. 
with like a cute little detective game. I don't know. Let's have to wait and see. Uh, what we got next here? Uh, oh, Resident Evil. Um, oh, no, it's Umbrella I Corpse. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of that last Resident Evil game they played where it's like uh, you're playing as umbrella operatives. Raccoon City? Op- it was like, yeah, like Raccoon City Operations or some shit like that. And you're this like black ops team that goes in there. And the big selling point was that you can like affect the storyline and see these old characters and doing different stuff, interact with them, and potentially kill them. Um, well, this is pretty It was diff- a nice idea, but it, 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 it just failed and kind of, like, made the bioorganic weapons of two that, like, tormented you shit. Well, this is just sounding like it's just going to be a multiplayer, like an online multiplayer shooter in the vein of Titanfall or Evolved or something mm-hmm. where you're just given missions and tasks to get, like get in certain things or fight mm-hmm. zombies a certain way or, or whatever but that's what they seem to be going here for they said that there is going to be a single player mode they're calling it Experiment where it's essentially like Gears of War's Horde mode where you're just getting tons of zombies coming at you once but uh, that's pretty much the direction this is going uh, uh, I'll have to wait for future information because it's this a thirty bad to me. It looks cool. The trailer looks cool. It's a thirty dollar digital only game. Yeah, it looks really uh, polished. It looks very you nice. Can, it does look really polished. You can go into first person. Um, it looks it looks cool. It's pretty. Just sounds kind of like a turn your brain off and play. Well, it kind of dumb. Like, it looks like mercenaries basically. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh. But, well, but like, I didn't think about it that way. Multiplayer. That could be fun. Yeah, it's it cool. And they did say that they are going to have one of the levels from Resident Evil Four in there. So. Yeah, the the video showed off the. It's a mercenaries level that the video shows. It shows the um, the first little area. Uh, yeah, you know when he's like, where's everyone going? Bingo. <laughs> yeah. So I mean it. It definitely looks like a really fun game, and I, I have this feeling that until it's something that's going to hold people over until Resident Evil 7 comes out. That's what it kind of seems like. Like, they release this, get people kind of excited and thinking about Resident Evil again, and then they make an announcement probably at E3 saying, you know, Resident Evil 7's coming out next year or whatever. What could they possibly do Resident Evil 7 about? Didn't they destroy half the planet in 6? Hmm. Well, there's always... More zombies. Like, I, th- I think it might be time for a reboot. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> well, it, we'll see. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I don't know where they go from there. But uh, I mean, well, I don't think they do either. <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's kind of it. Or, or maybe it. space, the final frontier. Oh yeah. Zombies in space. Space tyrants. I mean, part of me is like they could go like hardcore like gritty reboot like make it really cool but like the other part of me is like how much farther can they take this <laughs> I kind of want to see Darth Wesker <laughs> right, this next article Dangerous Golf is the next game from the creators of Burnouts and was it Black? Yeah Black and it's their next game uh, they, they left and it looks pretty darn crazy. It basically looks like Burnout, but in golf form. So wait, you're like like 
having like aggressive ass road races with golf carts. It looks like mini golf, just crazy, insane things happening. So it's all like over the place. you're putting, and then you can turn around and crack the guy's head open. <laughs> uh, I don't. Yes, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. No. I think it's more like. I mean, in this screenshot, it looks like the ball is on fire and it's bouncing around a house and breaking stuff. And ooh, yeah, yeah. And so, it's got that burnout feel to it. Mm. I wish I could just have another burnout game, though. Yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> kind of wish that as well. But uh, unless EA wants to do it, I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh. Yeah. Damn. Just keep dreaming, man. It'll happen someday, I promise. Uh, all right. Next one. Platinum Games confirms Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Did you guys see anyone? It? If there was anyone I wanted to do a Ninja Turtles game, it would be Platinum. Because they are, they are tearing ass all over the place right now. Like, they just came out with that <laughs> Transformers game, and that thing was nuts. They they are the gods of character action, and it's if they're proving anything to me right now is they can make a character action game out of anything, and it will be amazing. I mean, the turtles are on a roll right now. That sounded, yeah. Uh, the cartoon is do. the cartoon is really good. I mean, the mm-hmm. game the game looks good. Now the live action movie, that's a different story. But the cartoon is very good. Uh, the newer ones. There was newer live action movies. Are oh you? yeah, yeah, that Michael Bay thing. Yeah, it's not as bad as I thought, but not as good as I wanted. Uh, so, so yeah, check that out. Game looks awesome. It's more turtles, and why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I'm. I'm beginning the. Um, it's kind of a happy realization that the Ninja Turtles are just an American institution now, and that that gives me some sense of comfort. Yeah, good old turtles. Something I found that was really interesting is that apparently the Ninja Turtles took place in the Daredevil world. That they're heavily inspired. Yeah, the implication is that they take place in the Daredevil world, specifically the same weird like toxic spill that blinded Matt Murdock. Yeah, like fell into the grates and then hit the turtles. Um, and then there's weird nods like uh, Daredevil fights in a group of enemy ninjas called the Hand. The turtles fight a group of enemy ninjas called the Foot. Yeah. Uh, M- Matt Murdock's uh, mentor is a blind guy named Stick, and the turtles' mentor is a rat named Splinter. Yeah, <laughs> it's all coming together. So, yeah, interesting connection. Mm-hmm. All right, burning through these nice and quick. All right, so the next article is uh, Nintendo NX leaks. Lots of like specs and really cool information about the their next next console. Uh, some of it, which I thought this was really surprising, is that they're going to have support for 4K video streaming, even though those TVs are just now coming out. I don't really know, but it's really cool that they're kind of thinking really far ahead. So when that starts becoming a big thing, they'll be ready for it. Uh, I mean, they're like having the latest version of HDMI support, and instead of using in uh, instead of ADMs excuse me, AMD's like processor for graphics. They're using uh, NVIDIA, so I'm assuming they found that it works better. <clears throat> excuse me, works better. Either way, they're really beefing this thing up, and unlike the Wii and Wii U and even the GameCube, it really seems like that with this next console, 
they want to actually compete. <laughs> well, graphically, graphically, yeah, right, yeah. So in hopes that they'll all start drawing more third-party developers, because as we know, that's been a big pain point for them. So all good news, and the console looks that picture. I'm guessing that's probably just a fake mock-up <laughs> or something, but yeah, it's yeah. Photoshop. I can tell by the pixels, right? Yeah, so I'm excited. This is cool. I can't wait for it. I'll probably I'll buy it. I mean, I'm a big Nintendo fan. So. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was in this article, but I thought I saw something that said that they were looking into, it might have just been a rumor, that they were looking into uh, bundling the console with a handheld, which could be used in conjunction with the yeah. device or totally separately. That like, sounds awesome. Like truly, totally separately. That's like basically like a uh, GBA coming with a GameCube. Yeah. That would be so cool. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It it would make sense. It would make a lot of sense for them to do that since their their handheld game is strong and for the right price point, if they they could show that they have great third-party support and, you know, that they're future-proofing this thing and that it's not a big gimmick and you get their new handheld and and that knowledge that with every handheld sold it, you, the, you know that the consumer has the console so you know that the games are going to be designed to utilize both um, that that could be really it could be a I really mean, smart move for them that would that would that would blow everything else clear out of the water. Like a lot of these aspects by themselves, I think would be selling points for me. Like they had me with the handheld coming with the console. Like it could be like the same old gimmicky ass one generation behind Nintendo shit, but it's coming with the new handheld. I'd be down. But no, they're trying to do a current, like a contemporary console now. I mean, I almost feel guilty. Like maybe we're getting a little too much right now. Mm. We'll see. We'll see how see how it pans out. Um, One thing. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I have a Wii U and the gamepad. It seems like they were almost they were like testing out that idea of kind of having a uh, like a separate like handheld to go along with the console and the gamepad works great like I can play a lot of Wii U games and basically just streams it to the gamepad and even though the battery in the gamepad is extremely bad does not last long at all I can walk within maybe like 50 or 100 feet away and I can still be playing the the Wii U games directly on it so I mean, if they can make that experience even better or make it so that when this new console comes out, make it so that the people who have 3DSs can download some sort of app or something that allows them to immediately start streaming all the content directly to their 3DS, that would be fantastic. And I think that would give them a, you know, that would look really great for them too. I would love that. Mm. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, anyway, they're on the right track, though. I like what they're doing with this. I mean, if these specs are true, this is this is good news. This is something they need, I think, right now. Yeah, because Wii is not doing well. Seems like Iwata San had a lot planned out, and we're starting to see a lot of it come to fruition now. Yeah, and man knew what he was doing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part. Yeah. All right. So this next article, Mike, could you actually talk a bit about it? Dice's Battlefield in 2016 and New Titanfall. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it looks like EA has decided to release a Battlefield game this year. Uh, I'm not sure what the last one was. I mean, we just got Battlefront. Mm. Which is a Star Wars game. It's pretty simplistic. Uh, I'm not really sure when the last Battlefield came out. I feel like it must have been a. I guess Battlefield 4 was already a couple of years ago, so I guess it makes sense that we get a new one uh, now. So they've probably been working on it for a bit. Um. Yes, he says the publisher also mentioned that a new Titanfall quote-unquote experience is on the way. Mm. Uh, executives who have seen the work in progress described it as fantastic but didn't give a release window. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I guess Titanfall didn't really... It never made the big splash like... Um, the way the way EA kind of expected it to um, when it first released, you know, they, they picked up um, <laughs> respawn. Shut the fuck up! They, you know, uh, they got in bed with respawn. You know, formerly Infinity Ward, formerly etc. <laughs> They're hoping for another Call of Duty. Or Halo-sized hit, and Titanfall just didn't pan out like that. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. It's it's only um, they were shooting for the next big multiplayer experience, and they did it without a single-player experience. Uh, so that was, I, I don't know. That shouldn't have mattered, but something about it just didn't stick. I I feel like they had server issues at the beginning, or something, or a rough launch, but it just I don't know. Well, I I think it maybe it was because it was just a single. It was just multiplayer. Cause, I mean, you see a lot of the games out there like Evolved. I mean, that game's doing well, but it's not doing amazingly well. And then there's you know there was Titanfall, and it just seems like there's this trend that all these games that are just multiplayer coming out that are first person shooters never seem to do as well as people think they will. So I mean, same thing happened with. Battlefront, I think um, it didn't. It was a lot of people kind of felt like it was a waste that they had all these these beautiful maps and, and everything, and there's no single player experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they could have done something great with the Star Wars IP, and instead they got a very basic Battlefront shooter, competent but yeah, you know, basic. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that it necessarily. Being multiplayer only was what hurt it. I just think it's you have your trusted names and you're going to go up against them. And that's that's rough. Like, yeah. Um, but I think Activision did a good job pushing. Uh, what the fuck is it called? Bungie's big MMO shooter. Destiny. Yeah, Destiny. They they did a pretty good job of. I mean, that was all marketing's job, you know. Uh, yeah. Studio that brought you Halo, people knew Bungie. Um and they stayed Bungie, that's another thing. Respawn, this was their first game 
so they and they couldn't really say you know we made Call of Duty in their marketing, right? But I don't know it's hard to say. And and when it comes down to it, it was probably just the gameplay, just whatever. It doesn't have that certain stick to it the way Call of Duty or Halo does. Which is, it looked really fun. I mean, I never got a chance to play it. But, I mean, it had giant mech suits. It had, you know, it was really fast-paced. It had mm-hmm. a lot of different kinds of guns. I mean, it looks, it looked really nice graphically. I, everything seemed like all the pieces were there. But yeah. it just, like you said, didn't stick for some reason. I, I mean, we'll see. It's That's the thing about, I mean, I, I mentioned those other um, IPs, but those are, you know, they're firmly in place IPs and they've been firmly in place for about 15 years. Yeah. So them pushing more Titanfall is them trying to build something new into that place. So hopefully they can learn from their mistakes and and do better this time. I hope so because they're a good studio. They know what they're doing. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Next one. Oh, this is kind of an update. On a story that we had talked about in a previous episode, Sony's attempt to trademark Let's Play was did not go through at all. Nope. <laughs> the, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has now said the Let's Play is merely descriptive. So it's uh, as it pertains to video games, is ruling that likely ends Sony Interactive's early attempts to trademark the phrase. So it's not happening. They try yeah. it. It's just not going to go through. So, which is probably and and now they need to devote all their PR and marketing into figuring out how they're going to live down the shame. I not really. No, I don't think it was that big of a deal. It's colossally stupid. They're extremely on top right now. It's not going to hurt them. I haven't heard really anybody talk about this. It's just it, it's just so dumb. It's silly. See, it sounds stupid, but it never got off the ground. It never affected anybody enough for it to matter to them. Right. I mean, if it went through... I guess it was that stupid. (laughs) I think if it went through, then people would be talking about it, but it's not. Well, it's not that if it went through. It would be if it went through and they got the copyright and then they started going after people like YouTube using it. That would be bad. (laughs) True, true. I I couldn't even see them doing that, but still, it's, it's... Strange thing to to go after. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think if they had it, they probably just would sit on it and maybe do some sort of weird marketing campaign with it or something. I don't think they probably, like you said, would have actually did what Nintendo did and go after the Let's Play people, which was kind of silly to begin with. Uh, all right, so last article of the night: Games investments took a big dip in 2015 but esports and vr are coming out strong so this article was basically just talking about how in the game industry right now when it comes to investors really and vcs really kind of dumping money into game companies to fund them that hasn't been doing very well and it's never been very easy but what's happening is that vr because it's becoming so hot and so popular and esports which is becoming even bigger over the past few years everyone's creating apps for it everyone's creating all these companies around those two different ideas so tons of money is being dumped into it right now there are literally so many vr companies in the bay area it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and and there's lots of vc firms that are almost becoming dedicated just to uh raising money 
just for VR experiences. So it's becoming a huge deal. We're going to see a lot of VR probably in the next few years. So, Mm -hmm. but what does that mean for the actual, just normal video game, like industry from what based off of this and the graphs, it's going to, it might actually start becoming harder for more independent companies to get more funding unless they're maybe going in those two particular areas. Um, Either way, the industry is growing and it is actually improving and doing better. Well, well, I guess what you got to ask is, is are not so much in regards to uh, esports, but in the case of VR, is this a matter of everybody getting interested, or is the majority of this coming from people who were normally not interested in games now looking at this new thing and going, ooh, much like you know the Wii so many years back? No, this is this is a lot of game developers are now you know building incredibly interesting experiences with VR. So no, it's it's legit. I mean a lot of it's well, I'm not, I'm not even I'm not wasn't trying to say that the Wii back then was legit. I'm guessing what I'm saying is, is like is are the numbers here due to this new thing in gaming or does some of it have to do with new entities coming into play? It's just the newest thing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean that's it's just become very popular. Um, because it's a completely new experience. I mean, have either of you gotten a, a chance yet to try any VR headsets or not yet? Not yet? Okay. No. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. But um. But yeah, if you ever get a chance, uh, it's definitely a completely new experience, and you'll be able to understand why so many companies are, uh, excuse me, VC firms are investing in it now. It's because it's such a unique experience compared to anything else. So. That's why. I mean, if we ever get a chance to meet up again, I have a bunch of like Google Cardboards and other VR stuff that we could try out. Sweet. If we ever, yeah, get chance to meet up. Don't don't say if. We when will. when yeah. when VR <laughs> VR, we'll all experience it. You'll love it. I'll strap it on your heads and watch you do your thing. Yeah. yeah. The room, lock the door. <laughs> Turn off the lights. Put on the VR. Light a candle. Do a little dance. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it. Done with the stories. Now on the topic. <laughs> the topic is what is your favorite opening and closing? For a game. Doesn't have to be the same game. Any games. Yep. Any and all. Anything your heart desires. Damn. So, Mike, you go first since this was your awesome topic. No, you go first, Joe. All right, I'll go first. I can think of so many great experiences for openings, and the one that comes to mind, even though I don't like the game, is Final Fantasy VIII's opening i love that oh opening. god that was so good it's so yeah. it's so beautiful that's seeing... the best final fantasy though yeah that's not going that's not going down that road uh i i personally believe that final fantasy 6 is the best final fantasy well, I, well uh like final fantasy 8 has that like huge cut scene that like just gives you a rough idea of how big the game is gonna be but like ff7 is just this like shot of the city and it's straight to cloud jumping off a train you know they kind of vary right in interesting ways uh, but they're all pretty good 
So my other favorite opening would absolutely... I have watched it so many times. Uh, it is <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty's opening. That when he... That opening... Now that I'm playing a Metal Gear game, I just actually went back and watched it again and again, even though it's not the same game. But it's that opening just gets me every time. I just love it. It's so great. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting that you bring that one up because it's it's kind of I, I like it but it doesn't blow my mind away anymore but I have to you know step back into the time when it was released when this was like one of the first huge PS2 games and it just showcased the weather effects and the you know the graphics it was just amazing to see that for the first time I, I guess the thing that got me and what makes me keep wanting to watch it over and over and just experience that opening is the, like you were saying, the rain and the graphics, but more so how the music was syncing up so beautifully with what was happening in that scene mm-hmm. and every moment. It just, it just came together so yep. beautifully. And that's just, it's so impactful from that. This mm, editing, the power of editing. Yeah. Kojima sounds a great editor. I mean, if you look at, <laughs> the the game is kind of a mess, but every trailer for for MGS five is just amazing. Yeah. Just the music and the way he edits is just incredible. Definitely, that's that's why I keep going back and watching it. Um, for closings, this one was really hard for me. Uh, I couldn't really think of one. The only one that I could think of that I kept coming back to was like, it's such a crappy ending, but. It's for Super Smash Brothers Melee. It's where you just... Uh, I always like those games at the ending after you've beaten everything. Is that it becomes like a minigame. The credits become a minigame. And as they're all dropping down all the people's names, you can blow the names away to get points. And after you've got collected enough points, it will actually uh, like unlock more stuff for you. It's by far not the best ending at all. But it's the only one I could think of. It's fun though. It's fun, but <laughs> I wish it's I could. I wish I could have came up with a a better. Um, yeah, uh, that's anyway. Uh, that's all I got for. Oh wait, one more. So one more opening. What, the Wild Arms game. Uh, I love the Wild Arms games tremendously. In the oh god, that that song. Yeah, the opening song with like the whistling. <laughs> it's yeah. There's there's something interesting. There's something interesting about that the Japanese version there's actually vocals yeah it's a western it's the, the whistling was a choice made by the people who localized it yeah. realizing it was a western and I think that was the better call oh god yes it made it turn out because it sounds so good it really does I, I sometimes would play that tune a lot uh, like driving to work and stuff it's it's so catchy and it's so great um, but, uh, but yeah that's that's what I got. That's... I was that song works sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's me. Who wants to go next? Jump a cables, you go. <laughs> that's Joe. Uh, sure. I guess I got a couple. Um, openings, and I know it's probably going to become a theme of me to mention how much I love Gunstar Heroes on every episode, but... um. <clears throat> That's one that stands out to me just because uh, most games, they'll usually, if you don't immediately press start, will have a little story sequence, you know, with sprites running around. Something that 
sets up what's going on. And what was interesting, well, one, it was just I loved seeing those sprites. I loved seeing the characters move and finding out that one of the bosses was actually a comrade of yours. But if you hit the press start screen and let it run for a minute, you'd be treated to an additional scene, setting up even more of the story, finding out that, you know, the the people you're going to be fighting are trying to collect something and you get a sneak you get a little peek at some of the bosses you're going to fight and you know at that point they tell you outright that your former ally has been like brainwashed and taken over by the bad guys and then you have the doc brown scientist who serves as sort of your um leader the guy who sets up your missions and all that like dramatically shouting that the only ones who can save us are the Gunstar heroes. <laughs> that left a big impression in me on a little, as a little kid. Um, another one I really like, once again, it's just a fun little cutscene that uh, does well to set up, set the tone for the kind of game you're going to play, was uh, No More Heroes. Hess Travis basically narrating where his life was before he just up and decided to become a hitman the same way someone might up and decide to uh, i don't know become a pizza delivery guy <laughs> and it just sort of gives you an idea of what kind of ridiculous you're in for and the kind of fun you're gonna have with it um, what game no more heroes pizza delivery guy i don't know i couldn't come up with like a super unassuming job off the top of my head <laughs> Let me think. And I'm not sure if you could qualify it as openings on the count of it's the end of the first level, but it's really what opens the game up to you. Um, Killer 7. Like, it's kind of vague. and The game's really weird, so you kind of don't know what's going on as you're playing through that first level, which is fine because it's also the tutorial level. But... The ending cutscene, specifically the song that plays and the event, which even if I were to explain it to you right now, it wouldn't be a spoiler because you wouldn't be able to make heads or tails of what the hell I was talking about. But it really struck a chord with me and kind of invoked that shit's real feeling we all get sometimes seeing something. And... Again, let you know what kind of crazy you're in for, but in the case of Killer Seven, not really. You just know what's ahead is going to be insane, and you're not sure you're ready for it, but you're pumped. Um, in regards to the closings, I got two. One was a fairly recent experience for me, which was uh, the Telltale Game of Thrones game, which you know by the end of it, you know battles have been fought, won or lost, people have lived, people have died. You feel sad no matter what you do because this is Game of Thrones. But as the credits roll, you're actually treated to um, characters you encountered in the story recounting events that they were present for or heard about to other characters in the story. And these events are... The events you just played through, and there's unique dialogue based on your choices. Like, one guy who's like a murderous psychopath will, like, uh, talk about interacting with your characters and call you a total chump 
if you like played things cautiously or diplomatically whereas if you like murdered people he'll start to say you know i was really starting to like the guy and uh same thing with other characters who even like some of the nicer characters let's say the i can't exactly call them heroes but the more likable protagonists might say even if they weren't on good terms terms with you during the event of the game that they could understand what you were doing and respected you for it the exact opposite in the case of antagonists where like they might if they say they respected you for what you did you actually end up kind of feeling bad because these are horrible people the other end being true too you do good stuff and they like they might call you like weak or spineless or something like that it was an interesting way to kind of punctuate this story directly affected by your choices. Um, last one's a lot more simpler. It's uh, Devil May Cry 3, and it's just something I feel like you don't see enough in games, especially in character action games, and was the perfect way to punctuate action-packed, non-stop, chew the scenery over the top uh, combat based game which is uh, in Devil May Cry 3 they have this uh, quiet moment at the end reflecting on the events and then bad guys show up and you proceed to fight your way through the credits not only do you fight your way through the credits fighting all these monsters as, as uh, you know the names roll past there's a counter up there and if you can kill a hundred over a hundred enemies, I should say, you're treated to a bonus cutscene because Devil May Cry. So I, I don't know. I've been sitting here thinking about this a lot. Uh, just a couple of, like smaller ones first. Uh, I've already talked on previous episodes about uh, The Last of Us. Um, I think that it has a the, the intro is amazing, um, and it it makes me tear up every time I watch it. Um, and the end is, I said that before, it's, uh, it's one of the greatest endings I've seen to a story in any medium. I think it's perfect for, with, with, for what the game is. Uh, Joe, you mentioned FF8. That was a big one for me. I used to just put the disc in and watch that. Um, but also a closing to FF8. Um, I, I mentioned that before. It's a, one of the few games I've just felt sad to leave it. Um, um, another one, Mass Effect 2, great opening. Um, it just kind of starts in media res. Your, your ship's falling apart, and then you get blown out into space, and it's just quiet. That always stuck with me. And then, yeah. Um, Skate, those games had great intros. It's just like, it just shows how much they they love they gave to like skate culture. They had all the skaters come and film these like long like skits, placing them in kind of this fake world, um, and introducing who was in it. It's just a treat to watch if you're a skateboarder. And some of the the more interesting ones: uh, Heavy Rain. For all the shit we talk about, David Cage. I think the 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 intro just setting up who this character is and then you know exactly where it's going and then when it gets there it's just a huge gut punch um, a Dini gut punch oh 
it's sort of, but I don't know. It just felt, it just felt real. You know, if you ever had to watch a little kid in a store <laughs> and then you lose track of them for like a second, heavy rain. Oh, and then the horror. Heavy rain finishes the night. I always remember the, the God of War, the first level of God of War is, um, it's just tight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really tightly, it just gets you through all of everything you need to know and then pushes you through the level and then you fight a, a boss and you feel accomplished. And it's, it's a great opening. Um, an interesting thing about that is that they, that was the last level that they designed. So by that point mm-hmm. they knew they were familiar with everything they had designed and how it should be related to the player as far as explaining to them what to do. So I, I always thought that was interesting. That's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> so when I think about game openings, I mean, we talked about MGS already, but Kojima-san knows how to open a game. Yeah. He doesn't, he has a little, t- I'll, go over, I'll go over it, but he has trouble closing them <laughs> big time. Mm-hmm. As far as opening, I mean, um, MGS2, we just talked about it. MGS3, I actually I love that opening. It's just like after playing all of these games, hearing about Big Boss, and then finally experiencing him, like this is him young in his prime, and just he doesn't even say anything for the, few, few, for, for the first few minutes. He's just got swagger, and he jumps out of the plane, and he jumps down, and and then he lands and pulls off his mask, and it's, I love that intro so much. Yeah, it's like even in that, the few moments alone, you really get the feeling this is a guy who loves what he does. Yeah, that's also, and before the world has broken him, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you don't get that same feeling with Snake over the course of the two games, and maybe even Ghost Babel or Raiden, for that matter. Yeah, no. It's like a, you're, you're being introduced to this new world yeah. with a new kind of protagonist. Yeah, he's he's he loves his country and he does whatever he can for it. Um, but yeah, I actually think that that it should be just one straight shot because it kind of breaks like he skydives and then it breaks for like five minutes to give you like exposition about the setup of the mission and then it comes back to it. I think it really kind of hurts the tension a little bit but other than that I think it's it's brilliant opening and then he, you get in there and he has that conversation with the boss mm. and then when you meet the boss the whole virtuous mission is just incredible yeah yeah you want to talk so, about like amazing tutorial levels yeah and as far as closing to, to a game Joe I know you're still playing it um, so I won't ruin it for you but that one is that's that's just one I wish. I think I've said it before. That's one I wish I could go back and play for the first time again because that wow. the ending is 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 extremely special. It's mm. one of my favorite endings ever. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean the intro to MGS Four for how fucking off the rails that shit goes by the end, and how bad the closing to that game was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the opening is pretty it's just bleak that monologue from snake and the Mm -hmm. truck ride and just seeing the world and how 
how far into shit the war economy has sent the world and uh, his gravelly old voice. That's, that's a great intro. Yeah. yeah. And five, uh, for how bad that closing is, it doesn't have one. Um, the opening is, is just, Oof. That, that was just, I mean, him waking up, and you looking around with the the mid air cover of of the man who saw the world is, I still love that and I love that song. Um, but yeah, yeah. Hmm. Gotta give Kojima major props. That guy knows mm-hmm. his stuff. Yeah, he, I mean, <laughs> if you want to talk about like poor clothes, MGS One has a pretty bad closing. It's 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 kind of just happy. It's it's weird. <laughs> it's just, okay, hey, we're we just did all this stuff. Let's sit here and talk for five minutes. Well, no, they ride off into the sunset. Pretty, <laughs> as far as unoriginality goes. <laughs> uh, I don't know something about it. I guess it's fine. It probably wouldn't bother me as much now, but I remember as a kid thinking it's kind of. I don't know. But um, yeah, and the ending of two is—that's a mind fuck. Yeah, yeah, that really. Works. What do you want to? I mean, it's brilliant in retrospective. It's it's so brilliant in the points that it makes. Um, it, but I don't know if I'd call it like I I, I don't know if you want to call it the ending and start like from four hours. <laughs> the last, if you want to call the last four hours of that game the ending, then it's amazing. But um, I don't know. Yeah, Kojima-san. Um, I, I don't know. I talk way too much about him. <laughs> um, did I? I didn't mention Tekken. Did I? Mm-mm. Nope. Oh God, Tekken Two. Oh my God. Well, I mean, that opening cutscene is so good. So, so for. As far as the PS1 generation goes, for a long, for a big gap of time, I really feel like Square and and Namco were at the at kind of the forefront of that. At like, okay, I'm getting a new Tekken game, or I'm getting a new Final Fantasy game. Like, show me what your cutscenes look like now. Like, because those two companies were always at the forefront. Even like the Ridge Racer uh, intro. It was amazing. Like I was always looking forward to that. And and Tekken, like they're like tiny little music videos. They're just I, I love those those intros to all of the Tekken games so much. Yeah, I want to say two and three in particular though are amazing. Just in like yeah how much they set up in that what minute and a half. Yeah, God, two is so good. Yeah, there's, there's just such such a. So such a very clear mood in each. Like two is so definitively like dark. Yeah. And and three has like the energy of youth and maybe like like a drive in it that stems yeah. you know, again both from the youth of these characters and their uh, mutual desire for revenge against various entities. Yeah. But the, yeah, I love those intros so much. Tekken. Yeah, and they're also really good with 
with uh, they put a lot of work into their endings. Uh, sometimes they cheap out a little bit, but when they go all out with their endings, like each character's ending just feels like unique and it has its own personality that goes with each character. So, yeah, I remember three in particular. Eddie Gordo's ending felt like a scene like pulled out of a film. Mm. Like I'd been playing Tekken and then looked to the side and realized there was this movie going on and. <laughs> It was just real good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Xiaoyu's ending, the anime. <laughs> I love all the different styles. And, you know, they had Julia's ending with the voiceover, which was kind of mind-blowing at the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. A lot of good endings out there. Yeah. And a lot of bad endings out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of I forgot about, like fighting game endings and stuff like that uh, I could probably go on all day about that about, I mean Tekken DOA I mean was it um, I think there's two endings I got banned from watching when Mike was visiting during one of his like week long visits which was Jin's ending from Tekken 4 and Brad Wong's ending from uh, DOA 3 Mm-hmm. Which I watched over and over and over uh, again. I don't remember. Did I tell you not to watch them anymore or something? <laughs> yeah. Why? You were just tired of them. Eh. I'd watched them that many times. Well, I don't remember. Yeah, it wasn't Brad's just me ending. watching them that many times. That I would play through the game over and over just to watch <laughs> the things. Mm. What was Brad's ending? I think it kind of implied that he was giving up the booze. He was just kind of sitting atop this mountain all dramatically with this music going, and then he throws his gourd off the cliff. Mm. Mm. All right. There's some good openings and closings. Let's uh, jump on to the recommendations now. Uh... You know what? I'll go first this time. Mines are pretty quick. Uh, so right now, two games that I'm playing and definitely would recommend uh, is I'm finally playing Snake Eater. It's taking me quite a long time to play that game. But um, I'm still really, really, like, in the opening pretty much because I suck so bad at stealth. I mean, I'm just disturbingly bad at it. But, um... <laughs> But I'm enjoying that game greatly, and it's, from what Mike has told me, it's one of the best Metal Gear games, so that's got me kind of pretty hooked on it. Yeah. Uh, the camouflage mechanic, I like that. That's cool. Um, that's pretty fun. I'm enjoying that quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, so I'm playing Snake Eater right now. Uh, if you're a Metal Gear fan, definitely check that out. I'm pretty sure you probably already would have if you are a fan, but anyway. Uh, then the other game I'm playing is on the Where three- are you in Snake Eater? Oh man, I'm like so very in the open. The uh where you have to save the guy. Oh, shoot, what's have you met Sokolov yet? No. When I'm think I'm about to, not yet. Uh, you're extremely early. Yeah, I am oh, very, yeah, you are early. super early. I, I keep dying because I keep <laughs> It's like you high. turned the game on and then just turned it off. Well, I kept I spent like an so, hour. Yeah, you- 
I spent an hour trying to get through there, and I kept dying because I kept getting caught. I'm like so bad at it. Use your tranquilizer gun, Joe. Yeah, I, yep. d- I did, but then I, I had, I kept standing up and ducking and standing up and ducking. It just felt like a crawl. <laughs> no, no, the crawling wasn't the problem. It's the controls. I like just holding down the. Yeah, I just. It's been a while since I've done anything on a PlayStation controller, so it's okay. Yeah. Did you figure out the third-person camera? Yeah, yeah, I figured that out. Okay, that, that, yeah. actually, that helped a lot. So, um, yeah, it's I just need to get used to it. It's been just been a while, but um, yeah, I've been I've been doing some pretty stupid things. Like, just yeah. Once I get to get a feel for the game again, I'm sure I'll start being able to move through it a lot more easily. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. That opening was great. Uh, the other game I'm playing on the 3DS is I'm trying to give uh, Yokai Watch another try. And that game... What's the deal with that game? I've so, been hearing the name a lot, but yeah. nothing about what it is. So Yokai Watch essentially is kind of the new Pokemon. It's it's incredibly, really, really popular in Japan right now. Like Pokemon-level mm-hmm. popular. And it's... Uh, essentially, you just go... You have this special watch, and you have to catch Yokai's. Hence the name, Yokai Watch. Yeah, well, that's like Japanese occult yeah, so type it, stuff. So there's an element of that that's not going to translate. Like one of the, the kids' cartoons you see on Saturday morning where they go on each of the little adventures. Kind of like the Pokemon cartoon where each episode was its own little special story or thing they had to fix or help or whatever. So this pretty much acts the same way. There are chapters, and in each chapter you have to help a friend or... You know, help your your parents stop fighting. There's some weird scenarios. It's very wait, wait. yeah. I don't know if that second one belongs in a Saturday morning cartoon show. No, no, no. There actually, that sounds like a very special episode no, or something. There are actually some pretty dark things that happen. In the sense, when I say dark, not topics that about abuse and kind of just it's weird. Okay, so the on, they talk on about. the Digimon scale. Well, no, that's not that's not used that scale. That was a fucked up scale. Some weird things happened. That. Is this season one or is this season three? This is season one. We are not going to season okay. three. Ah, uh, that is too dark. That's like suicide dark. Uh, but um, but anyway, just basically all Yokai watches about is that each of these little type of stories that you play through. These little yokais, they go around everywhere and they kind of like possess people. The the chapter I completed was basically my dad in the game had forgot his uh forgot his papers that he needed to went over this particular meeting at his job uh at the train station and it was a an evil yokai that made him forget. So I had to uh, so I had to basically uh get him his stuff and then kind of maneuver around all the yokais that would make me forget stuff and that's pretty much how each story plays out you need to okay. kind of it's the monster of the day pretty much that kind of it, thing it sounds a lot like uh something we played back in the day joe uh mega man battle network yeah it's like that where it's ultimately very mundane problems but with the, these like magical elements lying at the source that is exactly what yokai watches uh like for instance going back to the story with my parents were fighting and it was because this big, disgusting slime yokai was kind of, kind of just getting, just like whispering things in their ears to kind of make them have a conflict. So, and you had to fix that by mm-hmm. fighting against the yokai. The only thing I do not like about Yokai Watch, and I'm still not getting used to, 
is the battle system is just so bad because it's completely automated. You basically have to play a bunch of uh, mini games, and these mini games, uh, if you complete them, they will execute an attack of one of your yokais. If you don't, then it doesn't do anything. And that's that, weird. It's really, really strange. And a lot of the time, the battles are automated. You don't have any direct control over how your yokais attack the, the enemy. It's it's really strange. But um, yeah, it's what I love about the game the most though is that the world that they've created that you're in, it's very, it's, there's a lot going on. There's lots of characters everywhere. There's lots of different activities happening all the time. So it's a very rich world. And I, I really enjoy just walking around and just talking to everyone. So from, from that point of view, it's a really fun game, but I don't know. It, it, I'd say if you're really into Pokemon and you want to try something new to give Yokai watch, there's a demo on the, the eShop. Just give it a try. See if you like it. Uh, it might not be your cup of tea, but it's it's okay. I'd say it's still worth trying, though. So mm-hmm. those are the two games I am playing at the moment uh, and definitely should take a look at. Uh, so uh, how about you, Mike? How about you go next? I ain't been playing shit. <laughs> uh, I don't play video games. I ain't even having time to play video games. So I guess Lionel. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, right off the bat, um, one thing I can mention is uh, not only don't starve, but I've been specifically play been playing don't starve together with a coworker of mine. Um, don't starve is a uh, survival game. Feels kind of like a extremely high end flash game. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a really old school like really old like 19 I don't know 20s <laughs> looks like a 19 just like a really old ass cartoon with like a very creepy aesthetic to it and um you know it's survival thing you're collecting various items you uh, uh have to find safe places to sleep you have to find things to eat sometimes it's just like fruit berries and stuff sometimes you gotta like hunt um you know you'll need lumber so you gotta cut down trees and you gotta make axes to do that it's kind of uh if i can compare if i can come up with another game to compare it to i guess the closest comparison i can make is uh like survival kids or lost in blue but infinitely more hostile everything is like I wouldn't say everything's trying to kill you, but everything can kill you, and a lot of it is actively trying to do so. Uh, um, playing Don't Starve Together, which is basically Don't Starve Co-op, has uh, is, is significantly easier. <laughs> it's fun either way. It's almost survival horror in that it's really creepy, and like prolonged session sessions of it will make you a bit paranoid. Nice. Um, outside of that, some of my like go-to kill time games, uh, Civ Five, which is well, you know, it's a Civ game, uh, really big, and like I'm still finding gameplay elements in that. <laughs> um, Skyrim, which again, time killer, mostly for mods. 
and even on Steam, there's a shit ton of them on there, though. I am, for the first time, having to play it on a mouse and keyboard, and that is weird for me. <laughs> I always had a controller, so, uh, yeah. A lot of muscle memory I'm fighting against. Uh, it's fun all the same. All right, guys. Final thoughts on this. Uh, Lionel, any final thoughts? Um... Oh, so far it actually sounds like the industry's doing pretty well. Um, uh, let's hope it keeps going. Let's hope uh, VR doesn't bottom out or, you know, go the way of the uh, <laughs> full motion video game. What would you like to see a new full motion video game be about? Uh, that's interesting. A full motion video game. <laughs> made today wait didn't they already do that with like her story oh maybe I didn't play it I haven't played it yet I heard it was good I actually heard, yeah I actually heard it was good too I mean it's kind of there's kind of no point now that we have like full on QTE games which is basically what those were with like choppy ass graphics and uh poorly acted cutscenes. <laughs> well, usually poorly acted, not always. What's what's the new game? Quantum something? Break. Yeah, that's going to have uh live action stuff in it, I think. Mm. Like a mix. So that should be I I there's something I'd like to see a game try and work in live action cutscenes and pull it off. I don't know how they do it. Wing but I'm Commander. To see somebody try it. Maybe Wing Commander was the last successful instance of that. I had Wing Commander Four on the PS One, and I played the shit out of that. Wing Commander. I never got to play much of it. Mark Hamill's cool. Go see Star Wars Jumper Cables. Well, remember, I'm gonna work my way through. You're Your never gonna means. do that. <laughs> I've got, I've got, the, uh, I've got the means. I've just gotta like enact obtaining things. Any final thoughts, Mike? You wanna go outside and smoke? You don't smoke. What are you, one of them fitness fucks? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that's the end of this episode. We do have other shows on Hey Listen Radio. Uh, we do one on anime. That's the show that Lionel does. Uh, Lionel, could you tell the lovely folks where they can find more information about it? Yeah, you can become part of the connection, the old Taku connection, on either com, the SoundCloud, the Facebook. You can find updates for us there. Or you can bug me directly on Twitter at OldTakuConnect. And then, of course, there is Hey Listen Radio's Twitter, which will also have updates to that and the other shows, such as Mike's. My show is called Hyper 90 Zeitgeist Breakdown, and we just put an episode up. Uh, it's been out for, by the time you hear this, it'll have been out for a few days, so you can check it out. Episode 2 is about hackers. I'm on Twitter at Hyper 90s. 90s is spelled out N I N E T I E S. You can find the Twitter for this podcast at NAGP Returns, where we 
talk about lots of stuff from about the game industry and other random things that I tend to post up there. So, yes, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. What's the name of the show? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> NAGP again. Okay. Not another gaming podcast resurrection. Not another gaming podcast again. <laughs> so many words. Right. Okay. <clears throat> you can just call it NAGP returns. Uh, I got it. All right. Uh, where, do you do you want us to wait 
Do you finish eating? Because it sounds like you're eating something, Mike. I'm not eating. Oh, okay. Are you sure, Crunchy McGee? <laughs> Whoa, what was that? <laughs> My back. I have a bad back. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at your pain. <laughs> That's just oh noise. That was just a really a distinctive strain. I don't think I've ever heard that noise come out of you before. I guess it came through pretty clear. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, all right.